Welcome, everybody. Welcome, friends, guests, visitors. Did you all get greeted well? Did people greet you well? Good, good. Um, we, are, we are so excited today because of the ceremony we're having, first with the baptism. The baptism is incredible. It, it, they, get, they stand before God and man and say, we have dedicated our lives to Jesus Christ. We have dedicated our lives to his Father. We've dedicated our lives to him and to his Holy Spirit, our teacher. And it's really great because they've also decided on this day to renew their wedding vows. And they've really kind of gotten the right order is God first, marriage second. Now, they are married, technically, uh, according to the state of California. But um, their, their first wedding was not what they would consider a godly wedding. So I think, I know I do, and I'm pretty sure um, Jessica and Herman agree that their next wedding, the wedding today, will be the one before God and the one that really matters. Um, the, the great thing about these two things happening together is they're really spiritually similar. In baptism, you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before you go in the water and get dunked. And you do that as a public declaration of something that's already happened. Similarly, in marriage, you declare before God and man that you are devoting yourself to your spouse, something that's already happened. But it's the public declaration that's really significant. The public declaration says, I commit myself before God, my church family, and my family to these vows, and I expect you to hold me accountable. It's a lot easier to um, run off to Vegas and do it quickly and keep it quiet, um, it, but it, this way you are required to then live the vows that you've committed to. Make, you've committed to. Now, they're not down here yet, right? So I, I was going to kind of tell their story, and it feels like a little bit talking behind their back, but they're here somewhere. Um, <laughs> now, Jessica and Herman have an incredible, incredible testimony. Um, they met in a bar in downtown Fullerton. Now, they make a big distinction that they met outside the bar. Um, but uh, we call that a distinction without a difference. Um, <laughs> they, they met at a bar, right? Um, and they were both, at the time, caught up in the culture of a self-indulgent, sp self-indulgent spiritualism, Eastern religions, Buddhism. They, were, they lived of the world. They were married three years ago um, in a decidedly ungodly ceremony. And without a godly foundation, their marriage was on a collision course with the world that it was born in. It, you can't, if without God as your foundation, your marriage is in big trouble. But then there's a story of redemption. There's a story of how they came to God. And it's an amazing story. Here they are. I'm talking about you guys, but I haven't got the good stuff yet. Um, so th their story of redemption is incredible. And for somebody to say, I brought somebody to Jesus Christ, I tell that person, get over yourself. Um, you know, 
I always hear people, you have like Christian scalp hunters. I brought seven people to Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you haven't brought anybody to Jesus Christ. And anytime that I hear them say that, I, hear, I feel like saying, oh, what would God ever done without you? <laughs> their story is a story of the Holy Spirit working in their lives and Christians around doing their job. So um, for Herman and Jessica, it started with a Christian woman who wanted to meet the owner of the dog they tied up outside a supermarket. And Jessica came out and met this woman. And guess what? The woman say, didn't say, thus saith the Lord, repent or go to hell. Um, no, she just had a conversation about a dog. But Jessica detected there was something different about this woman. There was something engaging about this woman. There's something attractive about this woman, but it turns out that she was a Christian. And Jessica became, befriended her and started going to church and really experienced it. Now, Herman was kind of of a mind like, okay, here's another one. Um, this will pass too. He, he wasn't really in. So here, it's another phase that we're going to have to go through here. Um, but Jessica's initial Christian walk wasn't an easy walk. It was rather shaky. She was working at night in a bar, and during the day, um, Herman was working. She's being pulled in one direction by the Holy Spirit and pulled the other direction by the world. So as this went on, their marriage started drifting apart some, and lo and behold, a crisis came in their marriage. And at the time of crisis, but for the intervention of the Holy Spirit, their marriage would have been doomed. And it was Herman who stepped up. And Herman said, he grabbed his wife and said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it through God and by God's grace. we got to surrender to him. And they, through much tears and joy, they started their Christian journey. Now, um, prior to this happening... Uh, another interesting fact that God did, they found a book that appeared to be abandoned. And they looked at that book and it said, A New Believer's Guide to Studying the Bible. So uh, they stole the book. Um, <laughs> well, they didn't steal it, but it was there. Um, it, it appeared to be abandoned, right? Oh, it was in the same spot she met the woman for the, that's right. So how about that for a fact? Um, you know, aren't, aren't there a lot of coincidences, coincidences in Christians' lives? There are none. These are all by the hand of God. So um, Jessica had a pin pile that had this funny religion. She was a Seventh-day Adventist. And Jessica said, hey, she seems like she's got something going on. Let's check out these crazy people who go to church on Saturday. So they went on the Internet and they kind of knew the area, and they saw this place called Orange Church. They said, hey, let's give them a shot. So by the time we first laid eyes on Jessica and Herman, they were already in. The Holy Spirit had already done his work. It's just now playing out. And, and I could give you a perfect example of that, because the first time I met Herman was at our Tuesday night Bible study. And to show you how efficient God is at his work, a bumbling idiot like me couldn't screw it up. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, 
I was, I, I'm, I'm the king of jumping to conclusions. You could ask my wife. Um, <laughs> so Herman shows up and appears in our door where we're studying. And I learned later that he was looking. He really couldn't find it. He left, but he was compelled to come back. So he came back. He walks in the room. And he says, I'm looking for the meeting. And I look up at him, and I, we call it small group. We call it Bible study. We never call it meeting. But we are having that night um, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting so, <laughs> of women. So he's a young, long-haired guy. He's got to be needing an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, right? Um, so, so I said, no, no, no. This isn't the meeting you're looking for. You want to go to the Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's women. <laughs> So, after a very awkward five-minute discussion, it turns out he's there for the Bible study. So, I nervously apologize and have him sit down. So, then I jump to my next conclusion. Old Herman's got the Revised Standard Version Bible. Now, the Revised Standard Version Bible is the Bible of seminaries for the last 50 years. I thought, this guy's got some game. (laughs) This guy knows his Bible. And, uh, you know, the, the RSV has evolved into the ESV, which is now the premier version. Um, but at any rate, so I think, okay. So to, to make matters worse, we're not studying an easy book. We're studying Esther. Now, if I lined up a thousand pastors, a thousand Bible teachers said, what would you start a new believer on? Not one of them would raise their hand for Esther. Not one of them. So... Thinking that um, Herman's got some game in the um, Bible study world, we're talking about Haman, who is the bad guy in the story of Esther. And, you know, I'm connecting him to, um, as a descendant of, he's an Amalekite. Amalekites are descendants of Esau. And then Esau was a bad guy. And, and also, if, if uh, Saul had just done his job 800 years before, we wouldn't have this problem in Esther. And I'm kind of checking out it. Herman, and he's taking a lot of notes, but he looks a little perplexed. Um, so so um, after the class, in typical Herman fashion, he comes up to me and says, oh, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah, what is it? And he said, I'm a new believer, and I'm not sure what just happened in there. Um, <laughs> so I felt like such a jerk. I, th- I thought, why didn't I ask what's your deal? You know, but, oh, it was horrible. Um, so but lo and behold, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they came back. Um, and, and, and Jessica joined him, and we finished Esther. We're now into Luke, and we're studying Luke, and now we're all understanding where we are. Um, and, but it's by God's grace alone that any of this happened. So then they said to me, we'd like to get baptized in this church. So we, in addition to the Bible study, we would come an hour early, and we go through this book by John Brunt, who's an Adventist pastor from Azure Hills, and at the conclusion of that, the conference even said it was okay for me to baptize him. So God's grace again. Okay, so now what's cooler than starting your Christian life by declaring your allegiance to God, then declaring your allegiance to each other? So then, you know, at the end of this, at the end of this uh, service, we're going to have them renew their vows so we're going we're gonna to pull it all together. Now, the order is God, your spouse, your kids, and potentially your grandkids. Now, 
if you keep those things in order, things fall into place. I do know that it seems, from a lot of people I talk to who have grandkids, seem to suggest that the grandkids jump ahead of their kids. Uh, so, um, you know why grandparents and grandkids get along so well? They have a common enemy. <laughs> so, so, anyways, God and spouse first. So, okay. Now, baptism, uh, next slide, please. Baptism is a sacred act. Baptism is us saying we are with Christ. But Christ also got baptized. And when Christ got baptized, he was saying, I am with you. I'm going to go through this. It's a, it's a symbol of his crucifixion and his resurrection. So, it, so when we are baptized and we declare our allegiance to Christ, Christ was baptized and declared his allegiance to his church and his family. Now, when you become baptized and, and come to Christ, you, you become part of the three Ps. Um, you are first, you are justified. Justified means you are saved from the penalty of sin when you are baptized. You then start the process of sanctification, which means you are saved from the power of sin in your life. You are now at war with sin. You are now, every day you wage war against sin. It no longer has the power it did over your life. And then ultimately, in glorification, you are saved from the presence of sin in your life when you end up with God in the end. So this is the first step to a great journey, and it's an incredible one. Now, many will say, well, if God's got it all covered, then what do I have to do? Well, thank goodness for uh, our man Paul, he answered that question. Let's go to the next slide, please. Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Incredible verses about baptism showing how we come up to newness of life. And then next slide, please. Paul brings it together in verses uh, 5 through 10. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection like, like his. We know that our old self is crucified with him in order, that, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free of sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. His sacrifice ended sin for all time for us. So what Paul's done in these verses, he's given us three pictures of baptism. First picture of baptism is you stand in the water, you're with Christ at the cross. You go under the water, you're with Christ in the grave. You come out of the water, you're with Christ in his resurrection. It's an incredible, incredible thing. Secondly, baptism is a personal testimony. It doesn't wipe out, you know, my sins. It wipes out your sins. And, and, and we all have our own great bucket full of those. And it says, I am forgiven. 
Thirdly, baptism represents our personal identification with Christ, that we are Christ. We're part of his army now. And that, you know, like Paul declared, we are buried with Christ and we have a new life, rebirth. We are now with him. Next slide, please. Ephesians, in Ephesians, um, Paul then brings it together again. The oneness of it and the oneness of the church. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to him by one hope the, that belongs to your, to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father for all, who is ever over all and through all and in all. But grace has given to each of us in accord with the measure of Christ's gift. So now, the bat, now we've got a great picture of baptism. There's one baptism, there's one God, there's one resurrection, and we do it all in the baptismal service. So if you could advance the next slide. The next part of the service is going to be um, uh, talking about marriage and what the biblical prescription for marriage is. But before we do that, the new married couple is going to come up and sing a song for us. So. I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> 
an error, you get back on your horse and ride, and there's always grace. So, good job. And, I'm, I'm, and that's what you do. Just get back on and go. Um, well done. That's really nice. Thank you so much. Now, the, the next part of this, and hey, where's my slide? <laughs> there it is. I like that slide. Um, that, what a great picture of a Christian marriage. And when we think about marriage, when did it start? How did it start? It started right back there in the Garden of Eden, you know. That's where marriage started. So let's go all the way to the first chapter of Genesis. Next verse. Then God said, let us make man. Okay, now, this is what we've got to understand. We, we always look at this with our Western mind. The ancient Hebrew word for man used here is humankind. So this, wouldn't make, this verse wouldn't make sense if it just meant the male part of the species. Let's make humankind, let's make man in our image after our likeness and let them, see, so he's just talking about man, it wouldn't be them, and let man have dominion over, and let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea, the fish, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll put on my glasses once and for all. <laughs> let them have dominion over, look, it says fish, fish of the sea and, the, and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man, humankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There are two genders. There's always been two genders. So I don't know why we have 36 now, but there are only two genders biblically prescribed. Okay, so marriage started as an institution by God. Marriage started as an institution by God with the first two human beings. Next slide, please. Then God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock, all birds of heaven, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was no, for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that God, the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? God made man, male part, from dirt. He made the female from man. So I guess it's fair to say that females are refined men um, because they're not made from dirt, they're made from the man. But it's an incredible picture so we can understand marriage and this, this, you know, these lifelong, you know, humankind-long war between the genders we are one. We came from the same flesh. We should be one. We have different roles, but we are one. We are the same. And Adam got that. Um, next verse, please. Then, at, then the man said, this is at last, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. 
She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And now God gives his prescription for marriage. Next verse. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That is a prescription for marriage. That is what God says. You will leave your family, create a new family, and you and your wife become one flesh. You are one, you are united, you are together. Now, the, another prescription for marriage, since sin came into the world, is you need to be married to a Christian spouse. Um, next verse. And this is Paul, again, giving us his direction. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? So, therefore, we got a pretty clear picture. You guys got it good so far? You've left your family. You've united as one. You're both Christian. Good deal. Um, and then... If you ever want to be sure that the Old Testament's right, which it always is, ask Jesus about it. So let's go to the next slide. Now, these are the Pharisees coming to Jesus. And ask yourself if these, these words sound a little familiar to you, because Jesus recites word for word what he said in Genesis. And the Pharisees came up, up, to, him and up to him and testing him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? See, they thought they were setting a trap for him. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, beginning, he made them male and female. There it is again. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be, become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Word for word, what he said in Genesis, many thousands of years before that. Well, our friends of Pharisees, they thought they had him, so let's go to the next verses. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and, and, and to send her away? He said to them, you see how they were using the word command? Watch how Jesus clarifies that. He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives but from the beginning it was not so and I say to you whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery so Jesus is being very clear here that marriage is a, is a lifelong commitment you're in for life and there's only one exception and that didn't say you have to divorce because of that it says you may and then you deal, still have to deal with the, uh, his prescriptions about forgiveness and his prescriptions about how you deal with that. So your, your marriage is something that you commit to for life. Now, here's the biggest problem in America. We think love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Feelings are emotional. Love is a choice. If love was a feeling, how could our Lord and Saviors tell us to love our enemies? You must choose to love. And guess what? There are days, actually, I think this is true. There are days my wife doesn't like me. 
you know, there are days you won't like your spouse, but you must love and you must choose to love. The, the prescription for a successful marriage is to be dedicated forgivers, dedicated forgivers, because you spend your life forgiving each other. And guess what? You both need to be forgiven because you're both broken human beings. Selfless love is Christ. Christ loved the people who were driving nails into his hands. Christ loved the people who were spitting on him. We need to reflect Christ's love in, who, in how we deal with each other, and we certainly need to reflect it in our marriage. It is not an option. You're, you're in for life, so you guys are stuck with it. So, so you guys are stuck with each other, but it's a great thing. Um, I, I personally have been married 30 years, and it's been perfect bliss for my wife every moment of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, so um, at this point, I think Herman and Jessica need to get married, don't you guys? So they have, uh, come on up. They have um, chosen the vows that they are going to say to each other, and they are going to read them to each other. And that makes me get out of the way, which is a good idea. I love you, Jessica, and I thank the Lord for the love that has, that has bound our hearts and lives together in the spiritual fellowship of our marriage. I will love you, honor you, cherish you always. As we enter upon the privileges of joys of life's most holy relationship and begin together the great adventure of building a Christian home, I will look to Christ as the head of our home and as I have looked to him as the head of our church. I will love you in sickness and health, in poverty and in, as in wealth in sorrow as in joy, and I will be true to, your, true to you by God's grace, trusting in him so long as we both shall live. I love you, Herman, and I thank the Lord for the love that has bound our hearts and lives together in spiritual fellowship of marriage. I will love, honor, cherish, and obey you always, as we enter upon the privileges and joys of life's most holy relationship and begin together the great adventure of building a Christian home, I will look to you as head of our home as I have looked to Christ as head of the church. I will love you in sickness as in health, in poverty as in wealth, in sorrow as in joy, and will be true to you by God's grace, trusting him so long as we both shall live. <laughs> awesome. awesome. By the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I declare you husband and wife. <laughs> Kiss your bride. <laughs> okay. I think Jessica's father had something to say. Jessica's father is going to come up and say something. Good morning, church. My name's Jose, and I'm a father of the bride. Jessica Herman, um, your mom and I, we love you, you know, with all our hearts and all our souls. And um, God says that uh, relationships are very important in life, and always you have to cherish those moments and uh, just nourish those relationships that we have in life. Also, uh, he tells us to be stewards, stewards of our finances, stewards of our relationships, and stewards 
of our time because those are important things that you know we need to really work and develop and and just uh, always think about him so I wrote this I wrote this poem uh, an inspiration basically from my fatherhood of past and and I base it from uh, Joshua 1.9 and Ephesians 4.6. So basically what I'm trying to say is uh, when, you got, when you and Joshua were growing up, your, your mother and I, we really devoted our time to you. And we wanted just to have the very best for you and always just uh, to give you our time. So here's, my, here's the words that I wrote. I, the title is Fatherhood. Be strong and courageous. In my days of past, I fled from you, ashamed away from you with my chains on hand. Each day, your sunset sought my heart. Lord, my fatherhood failures are many. The tears I carry for my children are heavy. Days without my guidance, days without my sought-after touch, days without my presence, my children were left far behind. Lord, let your strength and courage fill me. My fatherhood will sing your sweet new melody. Your song will cover my past failures. Let me praise you, Lord, forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me praise you, Gracely, Father, forever. And uh, Herman and Jessica, we love you very much. Thank you. This has been such a wonderful day, and I, I hope we remember it long, because you know two two souls joined the the army of Jesus Christ and have dedicated their marriage to Him. So I think we've been truly blessed today.